0: My name is Paula Caroso. I am an inclusive activist, disability activist, and a disabled content creator looking to create awareness on all things disability, inclusivity, identity, and diversity. And I have emerged onto the Web3 space with a Web3 project representing identities and disabilities called Inclusive Collective.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Jenny. Welcome to Miami Lit Podcast. Paula, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be lit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I I love that. I don't think anybody has said that before. I think that should be our tagline.
0: I love it. Excited to be lit. Yes. Let's do it. (laughs)
1: Let's do it. So let's start at the beginning. You were born in Venezuela. How old were you when you came to the U.S.?
0: I was five. I came around that time as soon as I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. For those of you who don't know what CP is, it's a condition caused by brain damage that affects your ability to move, maintain balance, posture, anything that has to do with your mobility. There are a lot of secondary conditions that come within that primary condition of that disability. A lot of us are affected with spasticity, which is... From the brain damage, it's uncontrollable spasms as your muscles try to react to a signal that's not there. Mm. So that in a way is also what kind of causes the problems with movement and posture because you have muscles trying to act to those signals, but they're not directly connected. Some people have issues with speech. Some people have cognitive disabilities, etc. cetera, all from CP. Wow you were 5 when you were diagnosed. I was 5. I was diagnosed actually from a mob practice from a surgery in venezuela for my tonsillectomy, like And then what I What is that? Tonsil removal? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So I started acting up and then my parents decided to take me back. I started acting up around 2 weeks after the surgery. My parents thought it was super weird because Your symptoms weren't your average, like, sick kid symptoms. They were like, I was losing my reflexes. I was sleeping too much. I had lost my appetite. It was evident that some of the symptoms were more neurological than just your average cold symptoms. So my parents decided to take me back into the ER to kind of check in and see what was going on. And when I got to the ER, they had no ability to really see what was going on they just saw that there was brain damage and they didn't want the brain damage to persist so they induced me into a coma for about five days everybody's face when i say that they're like
1: <gasps> my hands are sweating just listening to your story.
0: yeah um they induced me into a coma for about five days um you know just trying to to like neglect that brain damage from being from growing from happening but then it persisted on and then when I when they woke me up I was essentially all quadriplegic because the brain damage had persisted and then yeah of course through a lot of physical therapy um, rehab options thing was in Venezuela I wasn't even fully diagnosed until we came to the U.S. because doctors just had no idea what was going on So, like, they would try to check in and see what was really happening. First of all, the country itself didn't have the resources,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: being a third-world country. And second of all, it was just a back and forth with, like, the the hospital and secondary doctors trying to see what was going on. So, I was fully diagnosed when we came to the U.S. in search of advanced treatment options. Right. Right. Thank
1: God that you were able to come here and continue treatment. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I would I you know, I think that's such a huge part of why I'm here, because we were able to um immigrate because a lot of people just don't have the means. Mm-hmm. And not only financially, like a lot of people just don't have the mental capacity to think ahead. Yeah. You know? Um And it's yeah. a it's
1: a huge step because oh, yeah. not only are you come you know, are you dealing with something that's afflicting you but then you have to change your country
0: the language everything. the culture yeah it's- everything I would say like our immigration story is wasn't one that was sought it was just one that had to happen Right. you know we were pretty set in Venezuela and then I get sick and my parents are kind of sitting in a situation where it's like well we have everything set here but we still have to go yeah. Like it wasn't your current immigration story where it's like, we need to drop,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you know, and run.
1: Nothing matters except it was your
0: health. you know. So it was pretty crazy how it all happened. It all happened within like three weeks. You know, I wasn't like, let me plan a move in like months ahead. No, I was like, we're stop dropping and rolling yeah. and moving. Do you remember arriving here? I remember. I remember very bits and pieces I was five so I wouldn't say I had the most cognizant memory but you know I I I remember the most emotional experiences to me Mm -hmm. which was you know arriving to school and like just getting here and buying uniform and you know I was more of like doing things that I would do in my in my own country but in a different reality um Mm -hmm. but yeah I do have some very vivid memories but I don't fully remember everything. Have you ever been back to Venezuela? I Yeah, I've been back, but like about three, four times ever since I left. And yeah. how how was that experience? I mean, the country's very inaccessible for people with disabilities. So it's yeah. not, you know, Latin countries are just not my thing because of that. Every time that my friends are like, let's go to Mexico. I'm like, rather not. Thank yeah. you. Or like, let's go to Peru. I'm like, nope. You know, because it's just like thinking that the trip is gonna be more of a struggle for me than an actual like vacation, vacation or an adventure. It's just I'd rather stay in the U.S. where I know that more or less, you know, even if it's not the most ADA compliant situation, there's something right. that I'm used to. Right. You know, so I don't really do Latin countries because of that, nor Europe. <laughs> Like, europe either well when i went to europe it was pretty inaccessible itself too yeah so yeah huh i never yeah. thought about that i mean europe is pretty accessible in your big cities like your london right your your paris mm. but yeah there's like a lot of things that can get better and that's why it's just in the u.s okay mm-hmm. that makes
1: sense um yeah. And I mean we have such a big country here. There's yeah. so much to explore and do. Yeah. yeah. Which I I feel like especially here in Miami, we don't consider the US an option. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think we the know. majority <laughs> of us, like when we think about getting away, the US is like at the bottom of the list. Yeah. No, and know? every
0: time I've been traveling a lot recently for my career and you know, when people ask you where you're from, like Miami, they're like, Oh, you're from Miami. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. what are you trying to say with that? You know, I think people also feel that we're kind of outsiders mm-hmm. and not really part of the U.S. So I totally yeah. agree with you.
1: That's Well, that's one of the reasons why Miami Lit happened. I was telling you before that yeah. it was a literary magazine yeah. a couple of years ago. That's how the idea came, because we would travel. And um, I noticed if we would say we're from Miami, we would get like mixed reactions <laughs> but they were usually like oh <laughs> okay <laughs> what's wrong with you you know yeah. whereas if i would say like oh i'm from cuba oh my god ah, really yeah. you know? so you know i was like okay we need to do something to change the miami perception because it's yeah. um it's not without its flaws like anything yeah like anything but it's It's kind of awesome here.
0: No, I love Miami. You know, I would say growing up here, it's been a city that has cultivated and grown in ways that I never imagined. Like when I arrived here 20 years ago, half of the skyline was just not there. Mm -hmm. You know, like your Edgewater, your Brickell, your downtown, that was not like it was just flat. La Calle Ocho. None of that was there. You know, so obviously seeing it flourish and grow, I think it's beautiful. However, we've had a huge downside with COVID and all the increase of prices. You know, that's something that's affecting your locals a lot. And then your locals are having to move out because they can't afford the city anymore. So I really do think that if we keep on at this pace, Miami is going to become this like investor city more than your yeah. local city to what it was and a city should never kick out its local people. No, I mean, those are the people that built it,
1: you know, that made it what so many are attracted to today. Exactly. So I I agree with that wholeheartedly. There needs to be some sort of balance. Yeah. For sure. I agree. Um, but going back to your, to your immigration, how do you think being an immigrant has impacted you and, and the life you lead today?
0: You know, I think immigration has played such a big role in everybody's life we all have a different immigration story you know there's not one i mean there's ones that are alike but there's not one that's the same Mm -hmm. you know and i think immigration stories really root to end goals and why you're here like for example my parents came here for me you know but it wasn't something that they wouldn't have done if i would have never gotten sick for all we know we would have still been in venezuela so definitely i think my immigration story really opened me up to what an american country can offer me that my home country couldn't yeah and that's not only in equity and like just rights as a human being (laughs) it's more of like how I have grown into create this space, you know, growing to create this community of people who feel the same and how I've been able to create a career out of it as well. I think it's like very I think that's like my immigration story right there more it's, than anything. Yeah.
1: And it's beautiful because um, like you mentioned, who knows where your life would be yeah. today if that change hadn't happened, mm-hmm. you know, but but here you are living an amazing life setting such an example you're such a role model let's (laughs) talk about your your professional career okay yeah because that's um very exciting exciting
0: (laughs) everybody loves that part everybody's like so are you a model what are you i'm like i'm everything honey i'm just representing well that's why
1: that's why i love it because you really are everything and you do it with like the most gorgeous
0: smile on your face. That's just part of being Gemini, doing everything. Oh, you're a Gemini, <laughs> yeah. so when is your birthday? I'm June seventh.
1: Oh my God!
0: Gemini, and then I'm a Leo ascendant and Libra moon. So that explains okay a lot of why I've chosen the career path I have.
1: Yes, and. Immediately tells me why, like, I liked you so much when we first spoke. Yeah. <laughs> what so, signs are you? Well, I'm a Virgo. Okay. But a lot of, like, the important people in my life are Leos. Okay. My grandmother okay. Um, was a Gemini. Her okay. birthday was um, June 15th.
0: Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. June babies. June yeah. babies. Yeah. Geminis are cool. I mean, we're, like, all over the place scattered, which is, explains why I'm doing a thousand things at once. But that's the way I distribute my energy the best, Yeah, I can't be doing one thing at once. Right. You know, that that depletes my energy.
1: Exactly. So that kind of
0: explains why I'm, like, all over the place in my career, so. Yeah. So
1: let's go back to your career. I totally got sidetracked. Sorry. Let's go back to your career. Um, How did you you end up um, being an activist, role model, all
0: the things? (laughs) All the things. (laughs) All of the above. Um, I was... So I went to school, FIU, go Panthers, um, for PR Mm -hmm. and business. And, you know, Miami being this beautiful city that it is, the lifestyle niche, growing in fashion, growing in... It's always been hospitality, but I started to work at many agencies that focused on hospitality, dining, fashion, celebrities, entrepreneurs, all of that. And I remember I... I was working at some of the best agencies at one point, and I was like, this is getting boring. This is getting boring because, again, going back to, like, the Gemini, it's like you want to do so many things at once, and you want to be everywhere, and doing one thing bores you. I was pitching clients out to the media all day. All day. That's oh, all wow. I did. That's all. That was all. Yeah. That's that all I did. Um, so I really, you know, I got the sense that I wasn't satisfied, and then besides that, I wasn't fulfilled. Mm, that's and when a big way. I, I wasn't fulfilled. I was like, so this is th- this is what this job is about. Right. Just sitting here, repping these clients' brand, repping their persona, and this is what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. So for me, that was like a big identity crisis moment. That was like my pre-50. Because <laughs> I was like, what am I doing here? You know? I was like, this is so this is like what this is what people kill to, like, do for the rest of the- how boring, you know? I was like, what? And then I think as a creative and as an entrepreneur, you, you're kind of always, like, stepping out. you like, getting of the, out box. Of the box. You know, exactly. you're like, ah, oh, this is boring. So when I start feeling like that, I start sucking at my job. Mm-hmm. And when I start sucking at my job, there's an issue. Because I am nobody to come into work and just yeah not give my 100% and i felt like that in every job i had you know there came a point where i was like excited i was like yeah but there came a point where i was like yeah i don't know so i really you know i i was i was in my desk one day and i was like i really started taking key at the clients i had worked with and the people i had worked with and i was like you know it's it's been all luxury it's been all the most expensive things mm-hmm. um and I was bored. I was like, you know, I don't know how people stay in this for so long. And then I really thought, I was like, you know, I haven't had one client with a disability. I haven't had one client that's really... And I was, I was working in the moment where fashion brands thought being diverse was including black in the runway. And they were yeah. like, that, I, I'm diverse. We did it. Thank yeah. you. That's it. Check us. Check. Check. We're done. That's so true. So I was like, you know, and then I... I thought to myself, I'm like, how? I always wanted to emerge the blogging space and, like, that whole influencer realm. Mm -hmm. But with a twist. I wasn't going to blog about my clothes. I was not going to blog about my hair, no matter that it's purple right now. It was brown when I started. (laughs) Um, I wanted to blog about what it was like to live with a disability. You know, I wanted to speak about... The misconceptions, the taboos, you know, everything that was wrong and what it really is like, especially coming from a Latin woman who had done everything right in her life. I went to school. I was a good kid. You know, I like I I had checked all the check marks already, but I was like, you know, I don't want to fit into the mold. I want to break the mold. And I've been breaking the mold since I was diagnosed. You know, I was a little girl walking with, like, braces and a walker and a wheelchair. So, for me, looking different was never, like, bad, Mm -hmm. I guess. So, I just, like, called up a friend who, at the time, she was working with brands, with influencers. And I'm like, look, this is my idea. I don't know how we're going to make this work. But I want to make it work. I told her, I was like, I really want to break the status quo. I don't know exactly how we're going to do it. Um, And then there's one thing I want in all of my pictures. She said, what? And I was like, my canes.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So that's how it started. And then two years, I always say two years, but it's been three. I still don't count COVID year. I
1: I feel like we all have that issue. Like there's (laughs) like we just lost this (laughs) chunk of time. Like the other day I was talking to to my husband and I said something like, Because you know, it's 2021. And I said it with such conviction and he looks at me, he's like twenty twenty two, it's twenty twenty two. Like
0: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I I I lost that year and then three years from when I started, I am still a micro influencer. Your micro-influencer is your 50K and below influencer. Okay. But that's how I've been able to build community. You know, and I think that back then the goal of any blogger, of any celebrity was I need to reach a million. Mm -hmm. I need to reach this and that. But what we forget is that depending on your niche and depending on your project goals you have certain ranges of growth that you need to tie to for for, for a while. Right. And I think for me, staying at a low follower count has been my biggest asset. Because I kind of keep people there. You know, I just always keep them there in the know with what I'm doing, what I'm talking about. But it's also to build relationships with my audience. Mm -hmm. I'm nobody if I don't DM the people that message me every day. I'm nobody if I don't answer the emails of people who have disabilities reaching out. And when i started i called myself the disabled fashion blogger you know and after translating and years going by i'm like but i'm not a fashion blogger like i'm not i'm not out here telling you the fashion pieces that i wear like i love fashion but i don't make content on letting you know where i'm shopping or what i'm wearing my content was highly rooted on awareness Mm -hmm. you know what's going on what goes through my mind higher purpose and yeah. that's where, like, the activist title came in. And I think that's what fits me best.
1: Yeah. that's. A, and was that transition easy for
0: you to make? Like, once it clicked? It was always what I did. So it was just a, name, a switch to the name. Right. You know, it was always what I was doing. I was just under a different title.
1: So how important would you say it's for you to be in a creative space? By creative space, do
0: you mean, like... Mentally, like... I mean, I'm always in a creative space. Yeah, there's like never like, I am I, I am not ever not creating. You know, like even like when that. I'm sleeping, I'm like, oh my god, what a, what a great idea! And I have to like get my phone and be like, oh, this just happened, you know. I but love that. I don't think as a creative, I think it's very hard for you to turn that off
1: because mm-hmm.
0: you're just always because you just get ideas from everything, right. So you
1: don't have, like, a, like a set process. You're just, it just
0: happens. You know, I do like to focus on one project at a time. But I don't mean that in, like, a monthly basis. I mean, like, in the day. Like, if today mm-hmm. I'm working on Inclusive Collective, it's for Inclusive Collective. If tomorrow I'm doing captions and shooting content for my Instagram and TikTok, I'm only doing that. Because I feel that all the projects root the same purpose, but they have different executions. Hmm. So for me, it's kind of hard to come and go, switch and go. You know, it's like it's too much for me. Right. And being a creative and being an entrepreneur and self-employed gives you that luxury because you manage your time. Exactly. Right. So to me, that has been my biggest asset is managing my time. And dividing projects by the week.
1: Mm-hmm. What had? What would you say was the most difficult experience? Once you decided to leave your regular nine to five, so to speak, and dive into this new entrepreneurial role. Living off savings.
0: <laughs> 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 that one. That one. That one's really tough. Killed me. I was like, so what are you gonna do now? And you know, I would say. For me, I started making a couple hundred bucks within the first 6 months of launching myself. Nice. Because I was niche. Yeah. Nobody was doing what I did. Right. Especially not in Miami.
1: Yeah.
0: You know. So for me, I I can't say that like I struggled. You know, I struggled. I'm not I'm not going to lie, but I think being so niche, finding an audience, captivating a community and mm-hmm. being one-of-a-kind really like expanded so i would say one of the things is that and then another thing would be like learning that your productivity manages your success you know for me coming from an office where i had a boss checking on my stuff you know like my directors and stuff and then coming in and then doing everything myself i was like okay so now you have nobody to check this crap for you no no structure now, no structure so you have to create your own structure and this is something that at first didn't really affect me because at first it was like take your picture you know mold your campaigns mold your captions but now as things have picked up and my work span has diversified a bit there's like more things that i'm like wow okay so now i'm "I'm the boss (laughs) and then i'm calling my blogger friends and and i'm like so how do you do this you know how did you manage because it's 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 rough it's not easy
1: No, and um, I think, you know, when we look at at your feed or your content, it all looks so beautiful. Um, We fall under that that spell and we forget, you know, how much planning, effort, time it all takes. It's not just like snap a picture and go, you know.
0: No, no. And I think also, you know, one thing that sets me aside is that I'm a storyteller. So when you're a storyteller, you literally have to sit with a journal like the one you have now and be like, okay, so what's the story of the month? Okay, so then this month we're going to talk about this, but how can we make it make a connection with this other post that I have in mind Mm -hmm. so that it all flows like a story, you know, and so you're just not like. Coming out here yeah. with different points of view and content making sense. Out there
1: for for like sake. For, exactly. That's what I loved about your your content. You can immediately tell there's a purpose behind it in oh, every single you. post. And I I just thought that was so special.
0: Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No. There's 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 a lot of planning behind that for that purpose. Right. You know, so that doesn't just come off as like mm-hmm. I'm just out here.
1: Yeah. This is my life, take a picture yeah. type of situation. Mm-hmm. No. No, it comes across the, the hard work that I'm you happy, put into happy. it. I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, so at the at the beginning, did you ever, you know, you mentioned that you struggled a little bit. Did you ever have doubts? Second thoughts? Oh
0: my god, what? All the time. I was like really? applying what? Like I quit. I was like, let me go back to applying to jobs.
1: So how did you how did you manage
0: that? Manage, like, going back to work. No, like, keeping those doubts, like, at bay. You know, for me... For me, a big part that I would doubt, I'm, like... Is anybody gonna, like, see this work? Yeah. You know, is anybody gonna find it, like, receptive or perceive it in, like, a good way? I remember I would... I didn't want to post... When reels came to be a thing we kind of transitioned from your average picture feed mm-hmm. to now your video feed. And for me, a big part of it, I knew my walk was gonna get me a thousand million views. Not not a thousand million. I mean, I'm just like yeah, saying yeah. it was- It was it, gonna be successful. It was gonna create a buzz because right. people were gonna be like, wait, but why does she walk like that? Why is she using a cane? And for a big part of my life, and even on Instagram, when I launched the space, there wasn't much video. So people thought the cane was a prop. People thought, people would literally think I would show up with a cane on my pictures using it as a prop.
1: All good. you, you know? were like a modern day pimp A modern something. day pimp, you know, <laughs> out here
0: in Miami looking with glam head. with a cane. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, it happens. I think that also falls under the invisible disability where people are used to seeing disabilities in a physical way where people mm. look ill. You know, so here I come, like, this girl, you know, this 25-year-old in Miami with, like, little shorts and walking with a cane. Who is she? We don't know her. She's just using it as a prop. Whatever. So then when reels come out, I'm like, I know I have to come out in a reel walking, but I hate seeing myself walk. Really? I hated seeing myself. No, you still? No, no, it's like, now there's so many videos of it that I'm like... Let's just make more, <laughs> you know. Like it's... I love your walk, by the way. Oh, thank you! It's like a badass walk. If no
1: one, ha- it, I'm sure people. It's a pimp People walk. have seen Paula walk, but if you haven't, you need to you go, need check, to it go check it out. Go check it out, because you have like a badass walk.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thank you. So then, I feel like when Reels came in, I'm like, fuck, you know. Now I have to come out walking. Yeah. And not only to get views, but to represent a community of people that walk the same way or are also fearing and embarrassed mm. of how they look. Yeah. So I feel that a big part of me was also like coming in with my own doubts and being like, you're a community leader. This is what it takes to be a community leader. You just have to get the damn job done. A lot of my mentality, and this is going way back to like childhood experiences has been to, like, be cold. This is what you have to do. You know, this is how you're going to get it done. Just do it. You'll cry later. Tough love and everything. That's it. Right. And a lot of that comes from, like, growing up with, you know, a disability and being Mm -hmm. faced in a world where people don't understand, judge you, and you kind of just have to toughen up in the moment and be like, I'll cry later. Yeah. So for me, I would say that's been one of, like, the biggest that was one of the biggest things. Now I'm over that, of course, because there's just so many other things going on that I barely have even time to like think about how I walk. You know, but that also shows that like we passed that. Mm-hmm. You know like we outgrew it. And so I,
1: I just can't even begin to imagine how many people you helped through through those little videos of you walking. Yeah. It must be
0: Yeah, no, I always Thousands, if
1: not millions of people. Yeah,
0: you know, I always say being in this creative space, it's nice. You get to work with top brands. You get to earn a lot of money. But I think one of my biggest paychecks is, like, when I receive a DM and people are, like, people with disabilities message me saying things like, I'm one step of, like, not being embarrassed to walk with my cane because, like, I saw, and I'm like... (sighs) Yes, queen, yes. go get it. You know, I think... That's the fulfillment that important. doesn't come in a paycheck. I Exactly, and I think it's important because as disabled beings, we've lost our sense of value. Because yeah. we live in this capitalistic society where value is mes- measured by how much you make money-wise. Money yeah. So then when you try to translate that into a being that can't produce... The same amount because we just live in a body that works against us instead of for us. Or we have a condition that doesn't really allow us to give all we have. You know, that, that really gets to you.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. How, how did your parents handle um, or, or help you become so strong mentally when
0: you were a child? You know, it's funny. People ask me that. I don't think they ever gave me a choice to not be strong. Then that's exactly how they handled it. So, and for me, it's like they always put me in situations that people without disabilities were facing. You know, your sister's doing chores, do chores. Your sister's getting an award and she's climbing on the stage, climb on the stage. I don't know how you're going to do it. It looks like there's a rail there, but you're going to do it. You know, so for me, a lot of it was injected. Right. Like, I never had time to think about, oh, should I be confident about this? Oh, should I be confident? Like, I was just throwing myself out there like a little disabled girl, you know, at 10, just doing these things. And, you know, I think that really speaks more on them. Absolutely. Than it does on me. Because as a kid, you don't know what the hell's going on. You know, you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to school. Bye, mom and dad, whatever. But... You know, it did have, its, 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 it's repercussions when I grew up and I was like, I'm just this tough woman. Mm-hmm. But it's not always good because when I need to soften up, I don't know how to. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. Because it was always go. I didn't think go. about that. Go, yeah. go, And then at moments where I'm like, okay, but I need to cry. Mm-hmm. It's like, you'll cry later, Bob. You'll cry later when you have time. Yeah. You know, so for a, b- a big part of last year and this year, ever since COVID hit, I'm like, I really think I need to give myself a moment to learn how to be soft with myself because I've never allowed that. I don't know how to. And it's taken psychologists, astrologers, quantum <laughs> healers, tarot card readers. Oh, my you know, God. Are you, so
1: you're into tarot?
0: Yes, I have
1: to introduce you to someone. Okay,
0: I'm excited. Is yeah. she good? Is she good? Yeah, Amazing. okay. Shout them.
1: out to to Bex Cardsay. Bex
0: Cardsay, okay. Yeah
1: I, yeah, I have to introduce you to her. You're gonna love her. Uh, she's another badass. She's accurate, Amazing. she's on point. Oh my god, yeah, I love it. Um, and it not so much that she's on point, but the way she goes about it, mm-hmm. um, she's just so knowledgeable about not just the cards but about human nature i love it you know she's incredible i could sing her praises all day but yeah i love it I to introduce you want to meet her she she will love you um you know and, and everything that you're doing so anyway we we Only went side. we got side sidetracked
0: <laughs> but if you need a
1: tarot reader contact
0: jenny she knows
1: yeah well she's been on the podcast oh, okay so um She's uh yeah she the she was here for an episode we had a lot of fun and people really oh enjoyed God. her episode yeah her episode did really well I love that yeah she's um uh, she's been in Miami only for a couple of months she's from New York
0: oh okay yeah. that's how you know she's like she's
1: like uh, well not only that but she was she's been through so much herself like she you know, she was recently not so recently but she went through a divorce. Career change. Mm-hmm. She was a creative director for Playboy and Nike, and she all of a sudden she was like, "This isn't fulfilling to me." What's her name? Uh, her Instagram handle is card cb, card CB. But her her I name like is I Rebecca.
0: Yeah. I feel like I so know her. She goes by Bex. Okay. She's. Okay. I feel like I've heard of her because I have a couple have. friends who have been playmates. I, well, I don't. So maybe. Yeah, maybe could, yeah. could be. Could yeah. be. Yeah,
1: she was um a couple years ago, so not recently. Mm-hmm. She was a creative director for them.
0: Okay. Um, but anyway,
1: she walked away from everything to you know like fulfill
0: her you passion. I feel like it's so important for you to, like, life speaks to you. Yeah. You know, life is like get out, get mm-hmm. out, and that's one thing I was feeling when I launched this space. Life was already telling me for a year and a half it was like get out uh, yeah, get out i can so relate
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and you try to rationalize and you're like oh, no but i have a good paycheck this is safe this is my comfort yeah. zone yeah. but there's just you know that fulfillment it doesn't come in the paycheck no and sometimes that's what you need the most mm-hmm. so yeah it's yeah. interesting so we talked about the most difficult experience. what has been the most rewarding experience and you kind of alluded to that a mm-hmm. little bit but what has been the most rewarding experience through?
0: You know for this me venture? a lot of it has been to be able to change people's perceptions. You know I feel that people and maybe I'm wrong, but people see a very super superficial um, layout of my job right. You know, they see the picture, they see the real. And while I do hope that many people like you see the purpose behind it, 80% of the people aren't. You know, 80%? Oh, she's really? okay. I mean, that's just what I think, but yeah. I'm, I'm a huge skeptic, so I don't know. Um, But I feel that a lot of people just think it's for clout. Mm. You know, just kind of think she's another model, you know, and that, that that's all fine. But I think the biggest, the most rewarding part has been to be able to change people's perceptions. And that's been people like you, that's been brands, you know, that's been getting up on Miami NFT week and speaking at a panel. You know, I think that has to be one of my most rewarding because just seeing people's like eyes open like this when I'm speaking to them, I'm like... Job's done. Thank you so much. Bye. You know, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah.
1: So you mentioned NFT week. Yes. Let's talk about (gasps) Web3. Okay. Oh my God. So, how did you get started into Web3? Nadir. Shout out to Nadir. Shout out to Nadir. Another amazing person in our life. Another
0: Nadir Perez. I just want to say this on air. He's one of my best friends. He used to be one of Jenny's students. He is absolutely the best person ever to exist in this world and i don't mean that because he's my friend i gen you will like never catch me saying these things on live he's a political consultant but that guy is just driven like at another level one day i was at his house in a barbecue and i everybody nft 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 i'm like what what's an (laughs) nft and then he was like, don't worry, I'm having one of my boys come soon. To he- He's an artist. Uh-huh. Javi or no sé quién fue. Was, okay. Uh, creo que fue Javi. <sighs> NFTs, digital assets, utility, membership, 3D art. I'm like, you guys, I still don't understand what the hell's going on here. <laughs> like, I still don't know what's going on. And then Adir and I met a couple times after until I really gripped it down to what was an NFT. And we were back and forth discussing ideas, you know, seeing how this could be one of the projects to pioneer Web3 in terms of identities and disabilities. Right. So, going back to, you know, speaking about Web3 he nadir was really like the gateway drug (laughs) into Mm -hmm. this space. he was really the one that introduced me to what it was and then my brain ongoing you know just thinking ahead thinking how i can pioneer in this space that's kind of how inclusive collective was born
1: that's such a good story yeah i love it oh my gosh and this was not so long ago this was in
0: november i had just gotten back from a flight from new york He texted me that same night. He's like, barbecue at my house. I'm like, okay, I'll go. And then when I got there, everybody was talking about these NFTs. And that's kind of how everything happened. That's so in real
1: world time, that's not that long ago. That was five months ago. That was only five months ago. And... Look at everything that you accomplished in five months. That is insane. That's
0: crazy. That's amazing. Like, like I was thinking about it this morning as I was driving here. I was like... And to think that I still have so much more to learn about this space. Which is why I like staying as humble and as respectful as I can to the people that really know about this space. You know, because it's never going to come out good if you're coming out as this ignorant being... Into the space. <laughs> yeah. so Right. Yeah. Um,
1: so let's, I want to focus a little bit on Inclusive Collective. Okay. So we know how it was born. How did, how, what was the process like putting all those pieces
0: together? Well, Inclusive Collective, and just to kind of explain what it is so that people get a sense of it. Inclusive Collective is a Web3 project. Uh, by I, I say Web3 because it's not just an NFT collection, mm-hmm. as many NFT projects that are coming out to, to, to the world. It's a Web3 project to represent identities and disabilities in Web3, right? Mm-hmm. With that goal, we have one of our first projects included in Inclusive Collective, which is the NFT collection, which that is what's kind of what we feel would be the gateway to gripping on our Web2 community, transporting it to Web3, because we're going to have a lot of events with, within that NFT sale and by gripping over the Web2 community. Our NFT collection is composed of 10,000 NFTs with 400 variations of different identities with disabilities. Right. So you're going to have your Paula with her cane But with a bipolar and schizophrenic background in the back, Mm. you're going to have your Paula in a wheelchair with a anxiety background in the back. Mm. You know, we're really trying to play the role of expose and portray the story Mm -hmm. of intersection and how all that plays a role in how we've come to be seen on web, too. That is so
1: interesting, yeah.
0: So within that collection, we're looking to obviously make some noise. First off, by already representing different identities and disabilities in Web 2. Something that we're now seeing in Web 3, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Something that we're now seeing in Web 2. So all the years that it's been taking me to expose myself and to get myself out in a Web 2 world... It's taken me five months to do in a Web3 world. Why? Because Web3 allows you to pioneer and own your own creative and digital assets. You know, so I think people don't really understand or see or appreciate what's going on with Web3. And a lot of people kind of just, you know, that's just the thing right now. Yeah it'll, die, yeah, it'll die down. It'll die down. Yeah. And while it, it might die down, I think it's going to have its relapse phases mm-hmm. coming in com- because people are not going to stop dropping projects. People are not, not going to develop yeah. and execute projects just because you're stuck on Web 2.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not going to stop making money or stop making an impact on Web 3 because you want to stay on Web 2. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole bunch of people that are going to want to come own and create those assets with me To start making money somehow, something that for people with different identities and disabilities, it's been extremely hard to in today's consumer society. Right. So that's a part of it. And then, of course, within the NFT collection, that will be like the primary gateway to Inclusive Collective. We're going to have several events where you can use that NFT as a token to give you certain rights to participate and be part of the Inclusive Collective community.
1: Are these, like, in real life events?
0: So or we want to do some IRL events. I love, yes. like, coding, like, you know. Sorry,
1: guys. I'm, donate, not that hip.
0: <laughs> I'm not but, that hip yet. Um, we do, but our biggest and main focus right now is donations. Okay. So it's getting part of the proceeds of those donations and... Um, sending them out to organizations that focus in real life on web to on uh, disabilities identities marginalized communities but then our biggest part of the project up to now and where the token your voting right will come in is through hackathon the hackathons so hackathons are kind of like engineer software developer events where all these people kind of gather come in pitch us ideas on projects they want to launch But, of course, our projects would kind of be, how are you looking to make Web3 more ADA compliant? Mm -hmm. You know, how are you looking to make Web3 more accessible? What's your idea? Pitch it out to us. We'll fund you because our token holders, our NFT collectors, will come in and have voting rights to discuss on what project they would like to fund. So I I love that. I love the community aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say this is one of the not think like, the biggest project. I should say it's the biggest is my project. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would say it's it's a project that's I don't even I'm not even concerned about the money I'm gonna make here. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't even spoken to like we like like we have price points, but I'm like guys like you understand I, you know. that there's a way bigger purpose to it than just the money and the fact that I can pioneer. Yeah. and something that I've had to work day and night for, and I'm not saying I'm not working day and night in this but it's a lot harder when you have media companies o- owning you mm-hmm. than when yep. you're kind of owning and executing everything on your own and making it happen So I think yeah I'm excited I'm, I'm super excited
1: for I'm you excited. Yeah. yeah thank and you I I actually think that your project, is going to help the skeptics in Web 3, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because your project is so geared to, to a higher purpose, which a lot of projects are. Mm-hmm. But yours is palpable, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. You know? So I really think that it's going to help people understand more.
0: So that's like another layer yeah. to it. No, and what gets me excited the most is, like, how I see it. I'm like, Web 2 is now catching up on being ADA compliant. Mm -hmm. And people are still updating their websites to be, like, for the visually impaired and for the audio impaired. So I'm like, why why, why am I going to stay in an era that never included me? Not because they didn't want to. I'm not going to say that everybody was just reckless and, you know, careless about our beings. But if I have the chance to do it myself, why? Why not? Exactly. Why am I not going? And do I feel it?
1: like being a pioneer is kind of like in your in
0: your essence. In, in my lane. Yeah. So why not? <laughs> Thank it it you. only makes sense. You Thank know. Because no, I'm excited. I think you know. I think I listen a lot to like people within the industry, and Gary V is like one of my all time. Mm. I know people. Or some people have their opinions about him, but. He said it. He's like, these NFT projects are either going to make or break your career. Yeah. You know, and I'm excited to see what we can make out of it. So
1: so how can people get involved with Inclusive Collective?
0: As of right now, because we are in like the starting stages, you can follow us on Inclusive Collective on all of our platforms. We have Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We do have our website up. It's actually linked on our Instagram. But we aren't minting until like july okay so we did start um the marketing phase now you know to start developing the connections relationships the buzz around it um but yeah as of now i definitely say stay tuned because i've like i've mentioned more things than i should have sorry <laughs> but um yeah i would say just follow us and right. keep up to date and see start engaging with
1: the community yeah. that we're building um yeah, in web two still and, exactly. and go from there. Exactly. Yeah, I J- July's are on the corner though. I know, girl. I'm, I'm like, excited. I'm for saying, you. I'm saying like, oh, July, July, yeah, whatever. Yeah.
0: And then I'm like, <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> around the, day, the corner.
1: <laughs> how was it building
0: your team? Because this takes a lot of effort. So you know the funny part, and to me, this is how life aligns you. Yeah. Nadir mentioned it. N- nadir and i were in talks for about a week and one of my good friends messaged me he's like do you know of anybody doing marketing in the crypto NFT space and i'm like these people keep talking about these nfds like it's still coming don't. at you from all directions I'm like, i still don't understand what you're saying so i called my friend up and i was like dude i have no i don't have people for you in marketing in the web three crypto whatever the hell you guys call it <laughs> I'm sorry, but can you please explain to me what this is? And he was like, okay, so this is what it is. This is what it's for. I recently launched my collection and it's sold out. I'm like, what do you mean it's sold out? Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, yeah, you know, we sold out for a couple of this and that. And I was like, and then I was like, this is my idea. I don't know if it works, but do, do, do you think this has potential? And the idea I pitched out to him was creating characters with different identities and disabilities. Mm-hmm. And he was like, let me call you back. And I was like, okay. Two minutes later, he's like, okay, I have the team. We're starting to develop everything. I'm like, what are you talking that about? That is amazing. I was like, what? And then I was like, I I need a rundown. And this is just like me coming in and really explaining everything to you because I think Web3 people... Make it as this super difficult thing to get into, Mm -hmm. and while it can seem complex, I feel that if you put in the time, if you do your homework, and if you research, you'll be good. And if you have like a network of people to ask questions to, etc. So, within like a week and a half, we were already developing the characters, you know, we were getting ideas in and out. Um, but that's pretty much how it happened, and then now he's the main. NFT consultant, NFT Mm -hmm. like head, because he's worked and developed other projects. And then he has his team of artists, renderers, developers, uh, marketing people. So it was like a partnership.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. It's so crazy how when you're ready for something, the universe is like, okay, I'm going to help you.
0: Yeah. Right. And for a while, I had already been saying, I want to leave Web2. You know, I want to stop having to create content every day to make Mm -hmm. money to, and I'm not saying that I'm already making money here. I'm not, but it really goes to show like the change of cycle that I'm having in my career. Right. And it's something that I needed because web two can only get you so far.
1: Uh, I was going to ask you about the community, not just in web three or web two, but just as a whole, the community of uh, people with disabilities What do you think is the biggest misconception?
0: You know, I can't speak for the whole community because for me, one of the things that I feel having a disability, people and the world have seen it more as an illness than an identity. And I feel that that's one of the things that I want to highlight with Inclusive Collective. Having a disability, having a chronic illness, that's an identity. That, you know, there are two models of, I mean, there are there are many models of disability, but your main ones are your medical mm-hmm. and your social model of disability. Your medical is you're, you having a conversation with your doctor. This is your disability. These are the treatments that you need. You can get better. There's no care. And then you have your social model, which is society, infrastructure, and inaccessible places, people, and things. So you have one model that tells you this is your treatment to get better. And then you have a society that can make you feel that you're more disabled than you actually are. And I'm going to give you two very clear examples. Let's start off with me because I'm the only person in this area. I have a condition where I cannot walk certain distances. I need to take breaks because my spasms, because they come in. I can take a certain medication for it. Muscle relaxing. Great. I'm out and about in Wynwood at a venue at Mana for Miami NFT week. If you guys don't know about Mana, it's this huge convention center in Wynwood. The main entrance with the ramp is closed. So I'm going to have to walk all around this five mile or more distance convention center to get to the other door that has a ramp. In that case, was it my medical condition? What was enabling me? No. Or disabling me? Or was it the infrastructure of the place at that time? It was the infrastructure of the place at that time. So, you know, I feel that I can't speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself and for the community that I've built. But a huge part of it is thinking that one disability is all the same. When, like, it's not. Like, I know people who have chronic pain. Mm. And that's not necessarily caused by a cerebral palsy or anything. Even though I have chronic pain at times, that's just a disability of its own. I know people who have to wear ostomy bags. You know, because they have their own disabilities in that sense and they need their own proper treatment so i think one huge misconception is that we all like to think and close up disabilities in like one little compartment when it's like we can't because your disability is just like an identity they change with who you're with they change with where you are they change with how intersectionalized you are you're not going to be the same person if you are an American woman who was born here, who's, ha- who's always had accessible routes, who's had parents who were able to pay her college, who were able to give her a car. You're, yeah, It's not going to be the same thing. And having a Latin girl, you know, coming in, immigrating, immigrating parents, it's all different. And that's why I think intersection plays a huge role because your culture plays a role, your ethnicity plays a role, your sex, your gender orientation plays a role. So I think it's seeing disabilities as one thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When it's so many things. Right.
1: Yeah. There's some um, that was beautifully said. There's just so much. So how can yeah. what little changes can we make um you know within our own little communities within our own neighborhoods our schools that that we can start to to help and create that ripple effect
0: you know i think a big part of it is speak to that one disabled person you're 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 encountering so there's this also this thing i want to mention people in the community have preferences whether being called disabled person or a person with a disability I myself, I don't care as long as I know is there your intention. A person with a disability, you're putting the person first. Right. A disabled person, you're just kind of labeling them as. As their identity. As, I mean, the, you're, you're both, you're, you're integrating the identity into both. Okay. But the person, you're kind of claiming that we're human first and we come before our disabilities. Mm-hmm. Disabled to see is the just like to see the person you see the before disability. the disability. Okay. Obviously, that has brought so many problems in the community, which is why we go back. It's an identity thing. It's how you feel about your disability. But we can't all go around guessing and pretending to know how you feel because that's also going to scare away the outside crowd. That's not fair for the outside crowd either. So for me, you know, I think it's important for you to have a conversation with that person you are trying to encounter. If you don't know what to call them, just call them by their name.
1: Mm. Okay it's so simple i'm I'm having like um like a it's a catch-up moment i know because as a teacher i was trained to um see the the person first you know like we were we were told okay like you need to see the the child as a child who just happens to have this thing. This disability. Right. Yeah. And to me that made so much sense because yeah. I never wanted someone to, to feel, feel less like, than this is this is just who you are. No, you're a you're this person who happens to have to deal with all yeah. this other stuff, right? Um, so in my head that always made sense and it made me very comfortable when, you know, in the classroom dealing with someone with autism mm-hmm. or um, you know, a range of other things. But now that you're explaining this and how it's a problem, um, I'm questioning a lot of things.
0: (laughs) I think, you know, I think it, I don't want to say it's a problem. I would say it's a topic of conversation in the community that I see as a problem. Right. Because once the community can't decide on what they want to be called and which that's fine again we're going back to the huge identity factor this plays Mm -hmm. out it's your job to educate people on what you want to be labeled as because nobody's going to know we're not walking around here with stickers on our forehead i'd rather be called disabled person we're not you know so for me i think you can call me either but what matters is your intention you know are you calling me all that person with a disability in like a disrespectful tone Mm -hmm. because then for that just called me a disabled person in a respectful tone right you know so i think and i think once you're comfortable and confident with your nature it's like both mean the same thing
1: yeah that's why i'm having trouble like understanding because it sounds like the
0: same so i'm like oh my god i'm so ignorant i don't get it both are the same thing it's just a matter coming down to the person right you know do would you rather be labeled ass and if they don't ever mention it you don't have to mention it unless you have a closer relationship with that person. And you can say, you know, this one time I was talking to this one girl on the podcast. She mentioned this. Do you have a way to go about it? But if not, a person's name is perfectly fine as well. That's what yeah. I always say. When in doubt, just call Use them their by their name. name. <laughs> yeah, That's their it. name. That's
1: it. Wow. Yeah, there's just um, so much that the rest of us don't know Yeah,
0: and would never think. That, that it would be an issue. That's what happens with marginalized communities. There's yeah. just so much intersection, so many experiences, and so many identities within what you ever think a human can sustain. That all those topics come in.
1: Wow. So this makes everything we are doing that much more important. No pressure. No pressure. Right? At all. <laughs> no pressure. Just, yeah. You know, working hard its all on you. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but no, all jokes aside, though. Um, yeah. What you're doing is just extremely important. You know, Thank you. For, for not just girls, everybody, I was going to say for girls, young women, older women, you know, it's it's nice to see someone like you in the world that's making it happen and being so strong (laughs) and such a role model thank
0: you thank you i feel like it's my life mission so when i do it i don't you know i don't and again this is going back to me being the cold person that i am i'm like we just have to get some some things done here yeah you know and that's why i kind of come in and i'm like this like And, like, I feel that a lot of people see the energy in the Instagram. They're like, whoa, this girl's like, with all these canes, and now she has, like, purple hair. Oh,
1: my God. No, I love it. You're a force. uh, Thank you.
0: Yes. Thank you. But I feel like it's been something that's had to get done for a while now. I agree. Yeah. What advice do you have for anyone struggling with their disability or just life in general? I would say let time do its thing. Patience. I, yeah, I think patience and knowing how time works is key. Um, I've been in, uh, you know, I've been on panels. I've been on seminars where people ask me, how do you deal with people with disabilities who come up to you and tell you, okay, so I already outgrew my disability What's next? And then how do you deal with those who say, I'm still hiding? Mm. I still can't walk in public. Or I still can't roll on my wheelchair in public. And I tell people, you know, in the position that I'm in, I have to be neutral to it all. I can't tell you, get the fuck up and walk. Why are you still there? Yeah. Because I went through that. And I know how difficult that can be. And the only thing I can tell people is you heal When you give yourself the space to heal. That's like pretty much it. Because I speak to people who are overcoming their disabilities all the time. Just how I speak to people every day who are still hiding it. And I feel like it's important, at least for me, to find a middle ground to be able to be there for both sides. Because if not, then who am I? Yeah. So I feel that healing time and patience. My healing times have not been the same as yours considering that you don't even have a disability you've had your own experiences in life you've had your own healing times and whenever it's your time to wake up and come out there's a world out there waiting for you
1: yeah we're gonna i I feel like we need to turn that into a quote (laughs) (laughs) that was
0: we might we might might. yeah
1: that was amazing so I have to ask you, what's your favorite book?
0: The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath.
1: Oh, no one has said that ever. I'm a
0: Bell Jar girl. I'm a Bell Jar girl. I love her. I think she's one of the most ridiculous, like amazing. Like, I don't even have words to describe her yeah. on how like, good her writing was, you know? And just like, I don't know, the, like her life. And mm-hmm. I was like, Sylvia, like... You know, what happened? What happened to you? (laughs) There's just so many things. Um, I'm a big book girl, so I'm gonna throw in a couple. Um, in here, I think Think Girl Rich by Napoleon Hill is also a very good book. I think it's a very brainwashing book, but if you're able to get a sense of what he's really trying to tell you,
1: right? You know, yeah,
0: you get the grip of it, and then. Another book is, I know you asked for one, but like, no. I love books. So I'm here, like, go to
1: Mars and Noble now. I always ask for one just because, you know, one. Yeah. And then when people give me a list, I'm like, yes.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited. And then there's, this is this is a book in Spanish. They might have it in English. One of my favorite astrologers, Mia Stra, she's actually a local astrologer. Um, really? R- Relaciones. It's a book on like relationships. And she goes in like explaining planet by planet. Like what her chart was doing at the time, what her birth chart was going through at the time, and how she was having different people come in and out during those time periods to teach her different things according to the planetary movements. So that's like, and I'm big on astrology. So that's like one of my favorite books ever.
1: Wow. Did you do your chart?
0: Oh, I, oh girl, I'm like huge. Did
1: you do it yourself or you had someone do it for you? Well,
0: I like, I'm able to go in my chart and understand what's going on. Okay. If if I like look at it right now, like a monthly chart, but my yearly charts, I speak to my astrologer every like six months. Which is this
1: person that you mentioned? No, this is like,
0: yeah, I have another astrologer that I speak to like every six months. When she hits the fan, I'm like we need an appointment <laughs> Where <are you> at? <laughs> emergency yeah yeah oh my goodness that's well
1: i'm definitely and like always guys we'll have those books we'll linked down it. below so that you can check them out yeah and any other future projects that you can share you know so
0: right now for a while i see myself for the long run with inclusive collective mm. but definitely i'll be developing some cool cool stuff in there so yeah Follow the collection, follow us to see what we're up to and yeah. this has been lit. Thank you so much. This was so thank much fun. Thank you. No, thank, thank you. Thank you for having being, me. No,
1: thank you for being here and for everything that you're doing and and for being such a role model. And to everybody listening and watching, thank you so much. We're thank so you, appreciative guys. of your time. Make sure to reach out to Paula for for more information, more yes. inspiration,
0: questions, more knowledge, whatever you have. I do say though, email me because my
1: Your DMs must be.
0: I mean, it's wild. not even that, I don't even have time to like yeah. get through them all. So if you guys have like a serious question or a collaboration in mind, please DM, uh, please email, email, email me <laughs> because yeah, just email me, please, guys.
1: Yes. Can we link your email below? Yeah, of course. Okay, it's actually
0: perfect. hello at paulacaroso.com. That's like my. Okay, perfect.
1: And we'll link it anyway. So, thank you, everybody. We wish you you an amazing day, and we will see you next time.